0: Welcome back Pro Rata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. Sponsored by Bridge Bank. Be safe. Venture wisely. I'm Debra Mack. On today's show, why Hertz went broke and what a major music label can tell us about the pandemic. But first, SpaceX blasts off. So tomorrow, Elon Musk's private space company plans to launch its first ever crewed mission, which also would double as the first launch of NASA astronauts from the U.S. since 2011. Why it matters is that this flight could determine the future of U.S. space exploration, plus of the burgeoning private sector space industry. The rocket itself is SpaceX's reusable Falcon 9, which it's launched before, and the space capsule is being called the Crew Dragon. It can technically hold up to seven people, but tomorrow we'll have only two, with the capsule then able to automatically or autonomously dock with the International Space Station. Both of the astronauts here, they have flown before, back during NASA's space shuttle program. But again, this will be the first launch of NASA astronauts from U.S. soil in nearly a decade. Over the past nine years, all of the other launches have been done out of Russia. And there's already some talk that the U.S. reasserting this level of control over its space program could fray a bit more at the already tense relationship between the two countries, competition rather than collaboration. Oh, and one more thing to know, the launch might not happen even though everyone from President Trump to Elon Musk is expected to be at or around Cape Canaveral. The reason? A bad forecast tomorrow afternoon in Florida. This thing has to go off exactly at 4.33 p.m. Eastern or it doesn't go at all. And the next launch date would be on Saturday. In 20 seconds, we'll go deeper with Axios space editor Miriam Kramer. But first, this. The Equity Fund Resources Group at Bridge Bank is a central hub for the venture capital and private equity communities. Offering banking services for funds, partners, and their portfolio companies, BridgeBank's financial solutions are designed for the entire innovation ecosystem and include creative credit solutions, robust treasury and cash management capabilities, and a suite of international banking products. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Be safe. Venture wisely. We're joined now by Miriam Kramer, editor of Axios Space. So Mariam, let's start here. What would make this launch a success or failure beyond the obvious, you know, rocket goes up, doesn't blow up?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So the real success will come with the crew docking to the space station. So obviously, like the rocket's ascent needs to go flawlessly. They need to separate from the rocket and then basically do like a one day transit to the space station, dock successfully with it, and then like live their lives on the station for a few weeks before coming home.
0: How complicated is that? Obviously, other spacecrafts, including ISS, is manned by people that had docking before. What makes this one more interesting than maybe all the other past dockings of the space station?
1: So this is a new kind of spacecraft. It's the Crew Dragon, as opposed to the Uncrew Dragon, which is a cargo craft that SpaceX has been flying for a long time. This spacecraft, the main complicating factor is just the fact that it has people on it. Like It's a different kind of spacecraft built for people, built with life support systems involved, as opposed to the cargo craft, which clearly does not have it. But the mechanics are pretty similar. Like, SpaceX has been doing these types of launches to the space station for years. The rocket is pretty much the same. A lot that's very similar to what they have been doing in the past.
0: Talk to me a little bit, the relationship between SpaceX and NASA here. Is this ultimately more cost effective for NASA to have SpaceX or maybe ultimately Boeing doing this rather than the partnership we've had with Russia?
1: Yeah, it absolutely is. So a Russian flight costs on the order of around $80 million for a seat aboard one of the Soyuz spacecrafts. This will ultimately be about on the order of like $60 million as they start to fly these flights more regularly. Also, the development cost was pretty low by comparison to something like the Space Shuttle, which cost at the end of the program about a billion dollars per flight, effectively. I think it was the SpaceX's development of the Crew Dragon cost NASA about $1.6 billion comparison. So it's actually been like a very cost effective thing for NASA.
0: Cost effective, but still expensive. Compared to when SpaceX first announced this, we are obviously in a very different economic time right now. And, you know, I know President Trump has been very, very a big booster of the space program and increasing funding for the space program and, you know, get us to the moon, then get us to Mars. Should NASA be concerned, though, about budget cuts? It seems like whenever you get into major budget difficulties in Congress, space travel is always one of the first things on the chopping block.
1: Yeah, absolutely. NASA should always be concerned about budget cuts, particularly in an economic crisis like this one. I think that in a lot of ways, the SpaceX program and the money that's sort of being shelled out for that is going to remain pretty consistent because of the need to have people on the space station, since that's something that's been tethering us to Russia. And it's a big geopolitical thing to have people on the space station. So that I think is pretty safe. But what isn't safe is if you look to sort of the science and the bigger ideas, even the Artemis program to the moon, that could have some funding problems if the economic situation continues the way that it
0: is assuming spacex succeeds tomorrow and it docks fine etc what does that mean kind of big picture for the kind of the future of private space travel or the private space industry and does this from your perspective codify this idea that it is going to be private companies that are launching manned crews from here on out not nasa doing it all itself
1: Yeah, I do. And I think that this is effectively a new era for NASA and a new era for the private space industry in general. It cannot be overstated how huge of a deal it is that SpaceX is getting to the pad with these astronauts and everything seems to be going really well ahead of the flight. Like the limiting factor right now is really weather, which is pretty incredible considering that this is the first flight of a new system. So you're looking at this world in which NASA has been working so hard through, I think, three presidential administrations at this point to get to the point where they can be a buyer of services from these companies as opposed to doing all of the technical development themselves. And then this also opens up the ability for private tourists to potentially go to the space station. I mean, like there are rumors about Tom Cruise flying to the space station and shooting a movie at some point in the near future with SpaceX. So it's really a huge moment for the industry.
0: Let me ask on the geopolitical side, you talked about how kind of this decouples us from Russia to a certain extent, but I'm curious, are there any reasons why SpaceX or Boeing or, you know, Company X that we might not be thinking about yet can't eventually simply sell its services to Russia or to some other country?
1: No, I think that they would love to do that. I think that part of it, too, with SpaceX in particular, is like they see their chances. We're going to fly astronauts from different nations to their own space stations or to private space stations or, you know, even to the International Space Station, if that's something that NASA is open to, because they are. Trying to commercialize it more and more and more. Like, they want there to be this economy that everybody is feeding off of one another, including like SpaceX launching Russian, not just cosmonauts, but private citizens if they want to. Like, this is the kind of thing that they would love to get their hands in. It's more money for them, it puts them in a more prominent position. It's only upside to SpaceX.
0: I'm just sitting here trying to imagine if they launch a rocket with Tom Cruise on it and for some reason the cameraman didn't get the right shot and them trying to do it over again. Merriam Kramer, Axios Space, which you can sign up for at signup.axios.com. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Dan. My final two right after this. The Equity Fund Resource Group at Bridgebank is a central hub for the venture capital and private equity communities. Leveraging nearly two decades of expertise delivering solutions to emerging technology and growth companies, BridgeBank now offers services for funds, SBICs, and general partners, including creative credit solutions, robust treasury management capabilities, and a suite of international banking services. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Be safe, venture wisely. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is car rental giant Hertz, which filed for bankruptcy protection on Friday night. The big picture here is that Hertz got severely damaged by the pandemic, given its reliance on airport rental counters. But going a bit deeper under the hood, it's also a cautionary tale about so-called financial engineering. So Hertz has basically been adding debt to its balance sheet since a private equity buyout 15 years ago, not just via outside investors, but also through a structure whereby it basically takes on new debt to buy the cars that it then rents out before trying to resell them on the used car market. As the FT's Sujit Indap put it, quote, Hertz is basically a bank that rents cars. This structure reduces the overall cost of capital. But when the music stops, look out. And finally, speaking of music, Warner Music Group, whose artists include everyone from Bruno Mars to Ed Sheeran to Cardi B, said this morning that it is moving forward with an initial public offering. Two things to know. First, this IPO is going to be massive. The deal terms disclosed today suggest that Warner Music could raise up to $1.8 billion at a valuation north of $13 billion. For context, the company was bought for just $3.3 billion back in 2011, when there was a burgeoning conventional wisdom that music labels were antiquated models. Second, this IPO was supposed to happen in March, but Warner Music delayed due to market confusion over the coronavirus pandemic. And the fact that it is going forward now reflects how the stock markets seem to have largely stopped caring about coronavirus or at least just assuming that everything is going to be okay eventually. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven, have a great National Paper Airplane Day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata Podcast.